Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is atheism and agnosticism. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on those running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. I'm Pastor Amanda Zentalo, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay. These came through sort of randomly in my Twitter feed, mm-hmm. and it was rolling around in my head, what is an agnostic versus an atheist? So let's start alphabetically, <laughs> just for the fun of it, which means agnostic is up first. What is agnosticism? Agnosticism or agnostic. We technically looked up the term agnostic Yep. for the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. And so Merriam-Webster says, agnostic is a person who holds the view that any ultimate reality, such as God, is unknown and probably unknowable. Okay. They also say, one who is not committed to believing in either the existence or the non-existence of God as a God. Okay. So maybe a gentler way that I've heard this is that someone who is agnostic is someone who believes there could be something bigger than us, mm-hmm. but doesn't know what it is. Like, okay. isn't going to prescribe or sign on to a specific way of believing, but believes that there could well be something bigger than us out there. Yeah. So this is a person who thinks, you know, like, yeah, sure. There may be a higher being. There could be a higher being out there. Like, I can get on board with that. There's something bigger than us, something that helped make these things, something that has greater plans for the world and all that kind of stuff. And maybe there's something after life and maybe there isn't. I don't know. But all these different systems or clear pathways or clear theologies is not something that they ascribe to. Okay. But do they tend to get up in arms with people who do feel strongly about a particular religion or deity? I have not experienced the agnostics in my life getting angry or defensive or that kind of a thing. I think that I have heard many people outside of faith traditions be angry at the actions of people in faith traditions. Mm -hmm. Not about necessarily what they believe, but how they act in the world. Sure. So less so that, you know, you're being stupid because you believe in God and more, you say you believe in this guy, Jesus, who healed people and cared for the sick and the poor. And yet you're gathering all this wealth. How hypocritical are you? Right. Exactly. Like that kind of anger. And that kind of pushback I have experienced from agnostics, but not like you're dumb for believing in these things. Okay. It could happen. I just haven't run into it. Okay. So it's not like a formalized religion. Nope. It's a belief. It is. It's a belief. It's a self-identification. Okay. So if someone asks you, you know, are you Christian? Are you Jewish? Are you Muslim? Are you Buddhist? Are you Hindu? Are you, eh, you know, I'm agnostic. Okay. I think there's something out there, but I don't know what it is. So it's not a religion. There's no like gathering. There's no worship. There's no church. There's no churches for it. It's just an understanding of self-identification. Fascinating. I mean, I identified when I was young. I was like, I'm atheist. Sure. In practice, I was very much agnostic. Well, atheist, I'm going to say it sounds a little bit cooler when you're young. Oh, totally. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So then what is atheism? So an atheist is a person, and we'll pull up Merriam-Webster again, a person who does not believe in the existence of a god or any gods. So one who ascribes to or advocates atheism. So if theism is the belief in a god, 
Theos is the Greek yep. word for God. Atheism is the belief against a God, that there is no God. Then these are folks who do not believe that there is a God or a divine being. Of any way, shape, or form. Of any kind. Huh. I'm, <laughs> and I see, like, for the woman raised Catholic and entrenched in faith, oh, <laughs> that's yeah. a very hard concept. Well, it is and it isn't because I think there's a fair amount of us when you are dragged along in a certain belief, you get to a certain point, you get to a certain age when you can quote unquote rebel. Yeah. The same way that atheist sounds cool when you're young. Sure. That's what you want. I'm not going to believe anything because I think it's all terrible. Right. And I would say that the atheists that I know as adults are less in that kind of teenage rebellion. Yep. And more in that just not ascribing to a belief in a divinity system and leaning heavily on the material world and on science and mystery, sure, but mostly on things that can be proven. Interesting. And there's actually a Portland Atheist Society here in the area, and they gather on Sundays. Yeah. There's a community gathering, and they gather together, and they have what looks very much to me like a religious service, because I'm coming with religious eyes, but they gather together as community, and they learn about things that matter and about morality and about how to act in the world in positive ways and how to affect change and how to do positive things for their community as a whole. It's just not in the name of a God. It's not because Jesus came and told us to do these things. It's because this is what we should be doing. That's fascinating to me because for so long, that sort of moral code has been tied to any religion, pick a religion. And to see people who have one that is completely not based in anything like that, mm -hmm. that's fascinating. Which is in keeping with what it was in the time of Christ. Because in the time of Christ, the only religion that gave you your morals was Judaism. Yeah. And the rest of the religions were about other benefits. Uh, God of war, helping you be winners in battle. God of love, helping you procreate and keep the race and species going. Well, right? sure, but polytheism still has some, I guess not. Because if you're the god of the war, then killing people is not a big deal and utterly fascinating. And so the culture at the time, that's part of the difficulty that Paul had in creating the churches around the region is that he was trying so hard to take people who had never received their morals from their faith traditions before and teach them how to have morals based in their faith tradition. Mm -hmm. Right. So the Jewish history had that 10 commandments, all those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Right. But when Paul started to proselytize the Greeks and those outside of the Jewish tradition, that's when that big shift and change started to happen. So in our North American 21st century understanding, it's hard to imagine morals not coming from faith. Sure. But in the time of Christ, it was the exception. Do you think that with the further niche-based way that religion seems to be going, this splinters into this, splinters into this, splinters into this, we're going to get back to some more agnostic or atheist-based moral code? Hmm. I don't know. Okay. That's I'll, fair. Yeah, I don't know. I think that there is certainly an increase in folks who are more comfortable, and we see it a lot here in the Pacific Northwest, right? Sure. There are plenty of people who have no problem proclaiming that they are agnostic or atheist in the Pacific Northwest. It may be less so 
in other regions of North America where being a church attender, being a member of a religious community is more culturally significant than in the Pacific Northwest. Is that where we're headed as a world? I don't know. I don't mind it only from the standpoint of it seems we've reached a certain point in this particular North American culture where it is weaponized more than anything. Mm. Your God did this. Mm. Now my God's going to do this kind of thing. Yeah. It almost seems like removing it the way we've tried to remove church and state and make them separate (laughs) is not a terrible way to go, at least when you're talking the moral code. Right. I would say there was someone who, I forget who it was that wrote this quote, but there was a quote I read fairly recently in the last couple months about how if God created everything, then why did God create atheists was the question. Sure. And the response back, and it was some significant theologian within the last, you know, recent centuries, who responded with atheists are God's gift because they do what is right purely out of what is right and not in order to earn their salvation. And so the Christian is shown what it is to be a true person of good faith. Fascinating. And like totally flipped it on the head. And I'm not getting it quite right, but it's that kind of an idea that oftentimes people of faith do things in order to win God's favor or in order to earn their way to heaven or because they feel guilty if they don't, but they don't do it with a true and pure and open heart as to why they're participating in the activity. But when the Portland community gathers on Sundays in the atheist community, they're gathering because they want to make a difference in the world, Mm -hmm. not because they want to earn their way into heaven. No. When you come across somebody as yourself who identifies as this, do you feel compelled to ask them about their belief or do you just let it go? Whether or not they know that your pastor is somewhat irrelevant to my question. Hmm. How do I answer? Uh... Or does having identified as being agnostic change how you look at people who believe that way? No, it doesn't change how I look at people because I remember what that was like. Okay. And because in my theology, it makes no difference to how God feels about them or how I feel about them. Okay. Because the Lutherans believe they're saved anyway? Well, yes. And like Jesus died on the cross because Jesus died on the cross. Okay. Not because we believe in it. In the same way that I'm not responsible for saving souls, which is a vastly huge statement, right? There are many, many, many Christian denominations who would take huge difference with that statement. Okay. But it is not my responsibility to save souls because Jesus did that on the cross. It's my responsibility to love souls and to make the world a better place because Jesus died on the cross. And so it makes no difference to me if someone is atheist or agnostic because I'm going to love them just the way that I would love anybody else because that's what we're called to do. We're called to love everything that God has created. And if I believe that God has created that person doesn't matter whether they believe God has created them. I believe God has created them. So I'm going to treat them like the beautiful God created being that they are. Okay. And in the same way, because of my theology, I don't feel the pressing need to convince them to believe in God. I don't have to convince them of that. I'm not responsible for convincing them of that. I'm responsible for watching God in their lives and watching for how I see the divine through them. I'm responsible for that, but I'm not responsible for saving them or convincing them. I'm just responsible to love them. And I think I got stymied by your first question because I think that there's so few people in my life that don't know I'm a pastor. (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) That I was trying to come up because I just am who I am. Like, I I don't 
Like I might not necessarily come out as a pastor in the first five minutes that I meet a person, but as soon as they ask the question of, you know, what's your job, I'm going to tell them. So pretty much everybody I, I know knows that that's who and what I am in the world. And so I think there are some people who avoid me because of that, because they don't want me to try to proselytize, which is the big fancy word for change their mind and make them believe in my God the way that I see God. And there are a lot of people who just let me be in their lives and wait for me to do that before they kick me out. And when I don't do that, they kind of let me hang around. Okay. And I remember what it was like to be agnostic and curious and wondering. And eventually I remember what it was like for me to be kind of wishing to find that place where there was a God I could believe in, that the followers did the things that it seemed like were fitting with the God that I wanted to believe in. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't want to bugger that up with someone. Like, I I don't know. Because it's a personal journey, if it's anything? Yeah. I really think it is. Especially if you're talking about adults, not necessarily kids and teens, right? Kids and teens are going to go through the phases of, I don't believe in God, you can't make me. Especially kids who grow up in religious families, because that's part of self-identification and that's part of self-differentiation at those ages. That has as much to do with biology as it does an actual belief. And I think the important thing in those moments is just to say, okay, yeah, I've had a lot of questions about God too. You know, what's been really cool for me is that I've had a couple of years where I didn't really believe in God, but God still loved me through it and was right there when I was ready to come back. So it's totally okay if you don't believe right now. No. And what I thought was important for my kids, and this is me and my choice, mm-hmm. is that's perfectly fine. Let's look at all the different ways people do believe in a higher being and what that looks like in different parts of the world. Totally. Which is totally fine. And that's the advantage of at least being in Portland versus where I grew up in a very small, very white town. You maybe had your four flavors of Lutheranism, depending on which language the church was started (laughs) in. And maybe a Catholic, but beyond that, Not there much. was no Jewish temple, there was no Muslims, maybe some Latter-day Saints, maybe. Right. Not a lot of diversity when it comes to seeing what's out there for world religions. Yeah. It was interesting in the confirmation class when the kids were like, how many religions are there in the world? It's like, a lot. Yeah. There's a lot out there. There's a ton. And they're beautiful, and it's awesome. And God's diversity is beautiful and awesome, but I traipse into pathways where theologians much more savvy than I can probably tread those lines gentler. So what's rattling around in my brain is a question, which may be an entire podcast in and of itself. Okay. Religion versus belief. When you're talking about the number of religions in the world, and as we said, they seem to be splitting off and becoming more niche depending on what you believe in very specific detail. What makes that religion different from a belief? Does not believing in a higher being not become its own religion in a way, shape, or form? Is it a ritual thing? That's such a great question. And I would love to hear from some others who would want to ponder that. What is the difference between a religion and a belief? I think a religion has a clear deity okay, and um, sacred or holy story that goes with it. Okay. And a belief is something that you can think of, but that doesn't necessarily have holy writings or holy places 
or a God involved in that. Excellent. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And so you have a difference between a religion that is Christianity or Judaism or Hinduism or Buddhism, right? And Buddhism in some ways kind of straddles that line. A lot of people talk about that, that Buddhism is more of a philosophy, okay, kind of like a belief. But there's still spiritual practices. There's still sacred writings. There's still sacred story to go with Buddhism, right? Mm -hmm. So that's where it kind of treads on that line of religion. And so that's what I would look to. I bet that there are professors who teach this kind of stuff out there who would be able to articulate that so clearly. What is the difference between a religion and a belief? I would say agnosticism and atheism are beliefs. Okay. There are ways that we can encounter the world and things that we believe about the world, but they don't necessarily, because they don't have holy story that goes across, you know, nations and languages and people that's going to combine everyone together in holy story. I would classify that as a belief more than I would classify that as a religion. I'm thinking like, okay, well, then what about Wicca or some of the others, right? And how do they fit in? Are they beliefs or are they religion? I would say that there's enough common story that that would fall to religion. Okay. And holy practice and holy story make a difference. Excellent. That's going to lead me to my final question. Yes. There's going to be some out there who have strong enough beliefs that are going to wonder, are agnostics and atheists going to hell? That is such a hard question. (laughs) Um, It depends on what your definition of hell is and whether or not you believe in hell. Fair, because it's not actually in the Bible, right? It is not. Like Jewish history, hell is not a thing. And so it really depends on who you're asking and how they want to take a look at it. So I will say that in... uh, Gosh, even in my interpretation of what hell is, it is possible for someone who is atheist or agnostic to choose hell. Oh, oh, the wording. But I do not believe that God sends anyone to hell. Oh, I like that wording very much. Right? My understanding of hell is the absence of God. Okay. And so that is something that because of free will and creation, this is all goes back to my theology. Everyone can totally take me down on this. But because we have been given free will, the ultimate free will choice is to say, I don't believe in a God. I don't believe in the thing that created me. And so in my understanding of what hell is, which is the absence of the divine love of the one who believes that you are perfect and good and created exactly as you are supposed to be, and who, at the end of days, can help take away all the parts of you that, because of free choice, have become harmful to yourself or others, and just love you into exactly who you are supposed to be in all the beautiful parts of you. And if you choose to say no that you do not want that, that God in great grief will allow you that choice, and will still be present, but will allow you that choice to be absent from that divine love. So in the same way... That we can love our children with great, incredible love and want nothing but the best for them and do everything that we can for them. At the end of the day, if they say we don't want your help. There you go. You got to let them go. Yep. And so for me, that definition of hell is the absence of God's divine love in your life by your choice. 
someone who is atheist or agnostic, who does not believe in the existence of the divine, or who does not choose to ascribe to any particular in the time in which they are given the opportunity to make the choice to be in the presence of God or not in the presence of God could choose not to be. It is not eternal damnation. It is not fiery gnashing of teeth. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) But it is existing in the absence of that great love. Excellent. Not an easy question, (laughs) and I appreciate your candor. (laughs) Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about atheists and agnostics. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I, and thank you all for joining along. If you know someone or have some comments about this topic, feel free to reach out to us at podcast at centralportland.org. You can also reach us on Facebook, and until we are in your ears again, remember... God loves you, no matter what.